Welcome to Season 9 of American Political History, Wars Within Wars, France and the South. The governor of the Louisiana colony was Paris-Lee Monnier d'Iberville, the Canadian-born Frenchman that we have already been introduced to in Canada. Iberville was a very competent leader. He developed a web of native allies despite initial native opposition to the idea. And unlike the leaders in South Carolina, he attentively monitored the behavior of French merchants, quickly punishing anyone that wronged or defrauded Louisiana's native allies. His problems were twofold. Louisiana lacked material support from the French crown, who viewed the colony as nothing more than a distant outpost to anchor France's claim to territory in the New World. The second problem was that the colony never attracted the anticipated large number of French colonists. Iberville's experience in Canada had taught him a basic rule about native nations. Always be acquainted with the most powerful Indian nations, the ones that could be most useful and the ones that could do the greatest harm to your colony. Iberville had a deep understanding of native cultures and their emphasis on ceremony, ritual, and the exchange of gifts. Iberville introduced the idea of sending young Frenchmen, what we call teenagers, to ostensibly learn native ways, which they did. But they also made excellent spies, who could look after the powerful native nations that they had been assigned to. This allowed Iberville to counter any English offers with timely gifts before the nation's sachems had time to discuss how to respond to the English. Iberville was generally not in a position to counter the expensive gifts of the Carolina merchants. Instead, he relied on his knowledge of native culture to show his deep and profound friendship through proper ceremony, often able to speak to the sachems in their native tongue. The native sachems were delighted by a European performing their cultural rituals, and the results for Iberville were that sachems often decided to side with him over the better gifts from the Carolina merchants. Iberville would make a concerted effort to engage the Choctaw, Chickasaw, and Creek in diplomacy. These nations countered that if the French were serious about an alliance, they must move their economic activities east to be located more conveniently for those nations. In response to these demands, the French established the settlement of Mobile. But Iberville had great difficulty in establishing a web of native alliances around Louisiana, which had been done so easily around Canada. The Chickasaw were actively engaged in the slave trade, which had created deep and long-lasting grievances between them and the nations that they had raided for generations. Slavery gave an economic trade advantage to Carolina, who, unlike Louisiana, was willing to buy as many slaves as the Chickasaw could obtain. The Chickasaw were apprehensive about both the French and the English. The French posed a threat because they had been courting the Chickasaw's traditional rivals, the Illinois, Arkansas, and Choctaw. Carolina, although 500 miles away, were encouraging the Choctaw and Arkansas to become slavers, which would almost certainly mean they would eventually be selling Chickasaw captives to Carolina. Seeing that Carolina could just as easily trade with other nations, the Chickasaw understood that they were potentially expendable, and if Carolina fully backed one of their rivals, they might be the ones ending up being sold as slaves. Iberville was aware of these geopolitics, so in 1702 he conducted peace talks between the Choctaw and Chickasaw, leveraging their mutual insecurities and fears into a peace treaty centered around friendship with the French. Iberville told the Chickasaw sachems that all the English cared about was blood and slaves. He gave them accounts of Chickasaw captives being sold at Charleston, likely to be shipped off to the West Indies, 
This was a pointed attack on Carolina's lack of loyalty towards the Chickasaw Nation. Iberville then pointed out to the two nations that the last decade of warring had caused the loss of 500 Choctaw sold to the English, 1,800 Choctaw warriors killed on the battlefield, along with 800 Chickasaw warriors killed on the battlefield. The English had been the winners. They had exchanged their native peoples as slaves to Carolina for weapons. But this war did nothing but diminish the two nations. Carolina was becoming wealthy off their blood and bodies. And we all know that the English would as easily send you to some far-off island as your enemies that you give them today. France only has the economic interest in your buffalo, deer, and bearskins, and to get them it will not cost you your lives. With that, Iberville had started the path of the native nations into a web of alliance in which France would be at the center of the pinwheel. The Carolina Assembly saw Louisiana's actions as one of the greatest risks to the colony. Over the next decade, the Carolina Assembly would pass legislation in an attempt to control the behavior of Carolina merchants, who too often exploited their native trade partners. The Assembly looked for ways to provide native debt relief, believing that nations which accumulated too much debt would be incentivized to side with the French. The French would always be able to completely ignore and absolve them of whatever English debt that they had accumulated. But Carolina's biggest worry was the relationship with one of their main native trade partners, the Amacy. Carolina feared the French were luring them away, and the Amacy, despite Carolina protests, had always maintained a relationship with Spanish Florida. South Carolina sent the Amacy sanctions an invitation to dine with the governor in Charleston. There, the Amacy expressed their typical complaints toward the trade partners, the running up of debt from purchasing goods, which is allocated to the tab of the Amacy nation as a whole for individuals' decisions, the tactic of getting native sachems drunk before negotiations. But the most critical complaint was that the Carolina colony was continuing to grow the relationship with the Amacy's rival, the Creek Confederacy. The Creek Confederacy were primarily of the Muscogee ethnicity. The core of the Creek Confederacy was formed from the nations of the Cusa, Cuita, Cusita, Abeca, Tuchibachi, Hitachi, and many other smaller nations. The nations of the Creek spoke many different languages. The Alabama nation, for instance, spoke a nation more closely resembling the Choctaw. The Tuchibachi and Hitachi spoke a language so different it was unintelligible by the rest of the Confederacy. The Confederacy was a loose group of nations who shared common economic and political interests. Long had the nations of the Creek Confederacy coordinated their foreign relations against the Choctaw, Cherokee, Chickasaw, and then the Spanish, French, and English. But underneath the Confederacy were individual nations who would decide if they were going to war, who they would ally with, and when they would stay neutral. The Creek Confederacy was not hierarchical. We might think of it today as a loose economic and defense treaty organization, not a single people or polity. But if you declared war against a single Creek nation, there was always the risk that the entire Creek Confederacy would descend upon you. Carolina officials totally failed to pick up on the politics of the Creek Confederacy. When a few Creek sachems signed a peace treaty in the name of the rest, this was interpreted as the whole Creek Confederacy submitting to English authority. On the other hand, Carolina was perceptive of the local geopolitics of the Creek Confederacy. The Alabama nation, who was a member of the Creek Confederacy, was fighting wars with the Spanish, the French, and the Choctaw. 
Carolina merchants used this fear as an avenue to open trade relations with the Alabama. Over the next couple of years, the Alabama nation, fully supplied with English weaponry, managed to successfully fend off both the French and the Spanish. But the politics of the South were about to be shaken up by the metropoles in Europe, because the worst-kept secret was the impending war between England and France. Thank you for listening to this episode of American Political History. If you want to support the show, please subscribe and leave a five-star rating, and share the show with someone you think would enjoy listening. Thank you again, and until next time.